Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mega Talks TV. I'm Lee. I'm here. I'm joined by Spencer Spencer. So, hey, the people. Hey, everybody. We are delving back into Mandalorian after a long delay. We just released episode five. Now we are going to review episode six of season one titled The Prisoner. Before we get going, Spencer, anything you want to plug from our sister podcast, Mega Reads? No, we don't do anything at all. We just kind of every now and then release material that we immediately forget about. So nothing worth ever discussing. Okay. Alternatively, good. we're going through a collection <laughs> of short stories uh, that Amazon recently came out with for free. If you want to read the short stories or go listen to them on Audible. Uh, we just did The Ark the other day, which was, a, which was quite a fun run. And next time we're going into... Uh, a st- short story by the author of The Martian, which uh, we will be discussing probably in the next couple of days. So, join us. Yeah, and just actually released is our coverage of, I say our, because I joined it, of The Mist, Stephen King's The Mist. Uh, I think uh, BJ got the review of the novella out uh, first, and uh, next he'll do the review of the movie, which we all did as well. So, I joined that one. Um, got a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, well, let's jump into our... Uh, coverage of episode six of Disney's Mandalorian titled The Prisoner. Hell of an episode, Spencer. Uh, we talked a lot about uh, in the last episode about episode five being one of those sort of like prototypical, like, okay, here's your story, soup to nuts. It doesn't really progress a lot of the plot that's the through line of the season. It's just kind of a standalone episode. It's a lot of fun. I got to say this one is very similar. Uh, it feels very, very similar to episode five to me. I very much agree. This last one was the quintessential kind of Western archetype. This one is the heist movie. That's what this is. Yeah, uh, it is. Go ahead. It is very little connection to the overall plot or the overall arc of what the season is on. It's very much more of a character-focused one-off episode. But I found it overall distinctly more successful than the last two of them. What do you think? I thought it was probably the best episode of the series from a production standpoint. Uh, it was, and that's not to to cast any shade on the previous episodes. It's just that this one, how it was produced, was really really good. There's some shots in there that like they should be showing in like you know if you're going to school to be a you know cinematographer right, mm-hmm. and you're trying to block scenes or cut scenes. There's some stuff in here that's like textbook and really really good. I liked the story. I enjoyed it. Uh, I like the actors. We'll get into that, too. That was kind of a treat for this episode. But it didn't do anything to progress that sort of through-line plot of the season, which is Mando has Baby Yoda, and he's trying to figure out what the hell to do with Baby Yoda, considering the fact he pissed off the Bounty Hunter Guild in taking him, and he's kind of on the run. So that doesn't really get resolved at all here. There's a little teeny bit of a a shout-out to that plot going on, but it's mostly a self-contained episode. One of the things that it was nice about it was that it did, though it didn't expand our forward plot, it did help expand our background and it gave us a sense of history for Mando that we hadn't had before. We got a sense of <laughs> lore, we got a sense of background, a sense of maybe a more darker or at least rougher edged past than we previously had reason to expect out of him, as well as how Mando we... fucks. <laughs> maybe it certainly is a fucks, Spencer. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> And Mando apparently ran with a rougher crowd than he is now currently more comfortable doing. It may have done some more egregious acts than he may currently uh, view as acceptable. Which we'll get into when we do the recap, which I will start with. And then we will go to our two segments for a review of The Mandalorian. And that is Nostalgic Moment of the Episode and Best Line of the Episode. I am Emperor Best Line of the Episode. I will award that. Spencer typically fills in the blanks on Nostalgic Moment of the Episode. I feel like we got some stuff here. Maybe not as much as the last episode, but we definitely have some some stuff to shout out in that nostalgic moment of the episode segment. I don't think we have as big, you know, overarching sweeping kind of nostalgic moments, but we have some nice little bits that are still delightful to talk about. Absolutely. Completely agree. All right. Well, let's get into the rundown of uh, the recap of the plot. So we'll start with the razor's edge. This is Mando's ship. It pulls into a, a dock of a, a, a very large ship. Um, what, is that what you would call this, Spencer? Like kind of a loading dock for a very large, like a very large ship? At this point, it's a space station. Okay, yeah, it's really big. And he meets up with a guy named Ranzar. Who plays Ranzar, Spencer? Uh, this is Mark Boone Jr. from Sons of Anarchy fame. Yep. Uh, and he is clearly a, quote, old friend. I put that in quotes because there's tension pretty much immediately. But he does know Mando. 
And he says he's a little surprised Mando reached out to him. So I guess Mando is looking for work here. That's what we're meant to imply. This is directly branching off from one of the last things he said in our last episode about Mando just gave away all of his money. What does he do now? What does he eat? Here's your solution. He goes and finds the first job he can. Yeah, so it seems like he's just kind of doing the Rolodex, right? Like he, all, all the old friends he knows, people who are in maybe a little bit more nefarious uh, lines of work because he has been, you know, cast out from the guild, right? So he's not going to be able to go and get like legit above the table work. So that's not surprising to me that he's like going to somebody a little bit sketchy here. Mm-hmm. And the guy immediately, Ranzar, he immediately points out that Mando has had a falling out with the guild. I felt like that was a little bit of a power move to say, I know you're in a weaker position here, right? Mm-hmm. Um, he says, uh, well, Mando clearly doesn't want to talk about it. Ranzar goes, okay, you know what? Fine. Quote, you know the policy, no questions. Definitely a potential line of the episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mando asks what the job is. Ranzar explains that he's putting together a group of folks to break out someone he knows who got into some trouble. He says he needs Mando for his ship specifically. Mando is a little freaked out here because he did not expect he would be working with other people. But Ranzar does not seem to give a fuck that Mando has a problem with this. No, Though he's being friendly here and you know tying into the background, like you said, there's a lot of power. There's, there's a lot of power um, jockeying that's going on in this initial scene between the two, including with respect to the Razor's crest. When Mando kind of resists his crest, the, there you go, not Razor's edge, Razor's crest. Yeah, thank you. Uh, when Mando kind of resists a little bit, um, Rand just says, "Well, the crest's the only reason you're here," and walks off. Yep. Uh, so then Ranzar goes to introduce Mando to his. Uh, other folks he's going to be working with his co-workers he starts with Mayfield who is Bill Burr ladies and gentlemen Bill Burr has made his way into the Star Wars universe quick diatribe here as to why this is so hilarious um, Bill Burr you can look it up he went on he had a, a whole jag and he did this in a stand-up set but then he also parlayed it into some late night talk show interviews and most speci- most specifically he did this on Conan's show where he just lambasted Star Wars. Oh, yeah. And it was like, on the Conan show anyway, it was completely unprompted. It was like, you know what I don't like? Conan's like, what? Fucking Star Wars. I hate it. And he has this whole jag about Star Wars. And how he kind of missed it growing up. Um, the nerds were doing it, right? Um, mm-hmm. He references the, the nerds like it. Uh, he, he really shits all over Star Wars. And I remember at the time, the Star Wars community like had a real problem with this. And I was like, you obviously don't know Bill Burr. Like, no. Just settle down with that. No, um, he is the greatest right. He is the greatest modern rant comedian known to man. You just give him a topic and let him talk. You will be entertained, whatever it is. And he had a great rant about Star Wars. Well, uh, I don't know if you know this, uh, Spencer, but John Favreau gave an interview about casting Bill Burr in this role. And he said it was basically like he felt like it was like a competitive thing. He's like, this guy has just told me, told the world how much he hates Star Wars, how stupid Star Wars is. John Favreau, the world's biggest Star Wars fan, said, you know what? I'm going to cast him. I'm going to pay him. He's going to like it. And then I'm going to turn him. And and since then, since Bill Burrow has had you know, this, um, you know, this cameo on this episode of a Mandalorian, he scrapped the star Wars rant and he actually says very positive things about the experience. So, uh, look at that. John Favreau changing hearts and minds. We were discussing power moves. I think John Favreau took the cake for this one. <laughs> Pretty strong. So the, uh, Bill Burr is playing a guy named Mayfield. He says, um, uh, Ranzar explains to Mayfield that, uh, that he and Mando used to do jobs back in the day. He says running with a Mandalorian brought them, you know, some reputation. It was, you know, kind of boistered uh, their their resume, bolstered the resume a little bit. Mayfield asked what Mando got out of it. Um, (laughs) Ranzar goes, Mando, you remember what you told me? Target practice. So I guess Mando was a little bit more, I don't know, I guess uh, cold maybe back then than he is now. Definitely cold. Still, you can interpret it as cold. You also can interpret that his little stoic, taciturn kind of way of responding to people has not changed much over the years either. Ranzar explains that Mayfield is going to run point on the job. If Mayfield says it, it's like I say it, basically. That's how he, that's how he puts it to Mando. So he makes it clear you're not in charge here, Mando. Uh, he explains that Mayfield is a great shot, one of the Empire's best. Mando, that's not saying much. <laughs> Mayfield then snaps, I wasn't a stormtrooper, wise ass. So already we have some tension. I also like potential nostalgic moment of the episode here. A shout out to the fact that stormtroopers are notoriously bad shots. It is a running joke. Yes. <laughs> yep. 
uh, Mayfield is looking at uh, Razor's Edge. Says it looks like a slot machine. I like that line. Uh, says he's surprised it still works. A lot of a lot of hate on Mando's ship this episode by all the bit characters. It's it's interesting hate too. It's it's the classic Millennium Falcon kind of ship. It's not pretty, but the moment you get inside it, you understand how advanced a ship it is, at least in its own ways. That's again apparently Rand's very much aware of this because he knows this is the ship we need to do this. Yeah, it's, he says that's all the reason he, he brought Mando along, um, which I I question when the later events of the episode play out, but we'll get there. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then uh, Mayfield introduces Mando to a guy named Berg, uh, tall, red-skinned, got a couple horns. Spencer, do you know what species he is? Uh, I believe he's a Devo- Let me see if I pronounce it right. It's something like a Devaronian or something like that. Uh, yeah, yeah a, De- a Devaronian. That's it. Okay. Which uh, we feel which, which uh we first met the species in the Moss Eisley Cantina back in New Hope. Yep. Uh the and, Go ahead. I'm sorry. And under all the makeup, <laughs> did you recognize who it was that's playing him? No, who was it? Uh this is Clancy Brown of uh Starship Tro- of Starship Troopers, of Shawshank Redemption, of Man, what else has he been in? He's, hell, he's Mr. Krabs in SpongeBob SquarePants. He's an incredibly accomplished both actor and voice actor. I was really surprised to, see, to hear that it was him under all that makeup. Yeah, I, I didn't recognize him. Um, uh, Mayfield explains that he's a good-looking fellow. This may surprise you. He's our muscle. Berg says, so this is a Mandalorian. I thought they'd be bigger. <laughs> uh, we, we get this kind of running joke that people think uh, the Mandalorian should be taller throughout the season. They introduce Mando to Zero, who is a droid. And Mando then does the count, says, I thought you had four of them. And then Jean, is that how I think they're pronouncing her name? I think so, yeah. She introduces herself. She has clearly met Mando before. A little romantic tension there. Um, She immediately starts, like, kind of, you know, it's the the actor. You brought this up before we started recording. It's the actress from, that we see uh, play Osha in Game of Thrones, right? And she's also in Harry Potter. Yeah, this is Natalie Tenna. She plays Osha. She plays Tonks. She has completed the trifecta of nerd lo- of nerd fandom right there. But she kind of plays the same character in all three because she's doing that weird little, like, kind of get in your personal space, get out, touch you, back up. It's true, yeah. Very throaty, you know, sort of sort of acting. She's doing that with Mando there, and we're meant to think that that has really uh, been prompted by their shared history. And what, says that, what shared history would that be, sir? It seems like um, she was part of, I'm guessing she was part of uh, the group that Mando ran with, with Ranzer, which is how he knows that, how he knows Rand to begin with. And then I guess they had like a fling or something. That's what we're meant to believe. That is what is strongly implied by her. Mando is confirming nothing other than that they used to be in the same outfit together. But it's interesting to see that for most of these people that are part of this, you know, team that's being sent on this heist mission, she seems like she's the only established member of the crew, whereas the rest are more recent recruits. Ranzar says they don't have much time. They should go ahead and get on the ship. And Berg again tries to get in Mando's face, uh, calls him tiny. That's a recurring thing. This is constant, like, sort of measuring competition that Berg isn't involved in. He's, he's a real, seems like a real good hang. How, how tall is Pedro Pascal? He's not that tall, right? No, no. He's like, what, 5'10", something like that. Googling it now. Um, I think he's about 5'10". 5'11", he's above average. Uh, so then Zero jumps in the pilot's chair. Uh, and in doing so, he picks up a message from Grief, which clearly he takes a note of. Grief is the bounty hunter who, I guess, was Mando's like tie to the guild, who uh, you know Mando had a falling out with when he decided he was not going to hand Baby Yoda over and uh, let whatever was going to happen to Baby Yoda happen. So Grief has reached out to Mando. We don't get a sense of what that message is, only that Zero takes note of it. You know, I would have accepted you calling... In my mind, when you said Grief, I kept on saying, who? Who? If you'd called him either Apollo Creed or Carl Weathers, I would have been right there with you. Grief just does not register in my mind. That's right. Yeah, that's a trope from when we were doing these episodes before I did call him uh, Apollo Creed. Um, maybe I'll get back into that. I'll start calling him Apollo again. Uh, Mayfield briefs everyone with a really, really terrible briefing. I don't uh-huh. know if you caught this. It was terrible. He was like, everybody, come around. We don't have much time, so we've got to get in there and get out. Okay, we're good. <laughs> Jesus, dude, you suck. No info. <laughs> Terrible. Why is this happening so last minute anyway? Shouldn't you, you know, like, been planning this, running it a couple times? No, it's like, we got, like, five minutes to get there. Here's the ship. Here's what it looks like. Yeah, we'll work it out. Terrible. Mando picks up on the fact that the prisoner is actually 
a new Republic prisoner. This changes the dynamic a little bit. This guy wasn't kidnapped from a rival gang or something. He was arrested by the ruling government of the galaxy. Yeah, now, Rand did not lie. But this is not information he conveyed when he first described what this contract was about. Mando says he doesn't need that type of heat. Rand says, neither do we, so don't mess up. Kind of a... Didn't, didn't really address the point there. Uh, really kind of blew off Mando's concern. I think, again, he's playing on the power He's playing on the power dynamic of, you need this job. So if I choose to alter it as we go, what are you going to do about it? Yeah, just kind of just shut up. Just just do your job. You know, you need the money. Zero comes out and very matter-of-factly explains that the Razor Jet, <laughs> Razor's Crest is a hot mess. Um, and he asks, why in the world are we using this thing? I think he even says that the hyperdrive is only like 69% capacity or uh, efficiency, something like that. Something like that, Which yeah. is pretty terrible if you if you read the books. Like when you get when you get that low, like it almost isn't working. Um, uh, and Ranzer explains that the, uh, the Razor's Crest is off the old Imperial and now subsequently the new Republic grid, in effect making it a ghost. What this means is it's not... It's not being. It's not on the same uh, grid as the two main tracking systems that are used throughout the galaxy. So, if you want to get in and get out, it's a it's a pretty good ship for it, right? Right. And it, they've suggested before, and we see a couple times in this episode that there is a certain aspect of either cloaking or stealth associated with Razor's Crudge, even separate from the fact that it just has no recognized transponder codes for anybody to key in on. Yep. Uh, Mayfield indicates that they're going to drop out of hyperspace close enough that they can immediately scramble the signal and not be detected. Um, you know, Mando kind of questions this, and that's when Rand explains that's why we have Zero, who is a droid, uh, piloting this. Because, you know, it's going to be a pretty tricky move from a piloting perspective to jump out of hyperspace so close to this ship and then to immediately, uh, I guess, uh, scramble your signals so that you can't get caught and then, you know, lob onto the thing and we find out and we and we see later that it is a pretty um pretty difficult maneuver and it's it's not easy on the yeah, passengers yeah you can even see when they're charting out what the maneuver has to be on this screen there's a red line that shows it and it is the kind of maneuver that as we see later that is designed to put a stomach in knots but i enjoy zero just immediately flexing on mando with respect to this before he just says something like dad don't worry our response time is quicker than organics and i'm smarter too and just walks away yeah, and then Rand's like, ah, sorry, he's a little rough around the edges. Sorry about the programming there. <laughs> it is kind of funny, like this this whole dynamic, like when a droid is rude, like the person who owns the droid has to be like, oh, sorry, I didn't, I should have, I should have dealt with that in programming. <laughs> That's on me. Sorry about that guy. Yeah, it's one of the things in Star Wars lore is that most droids are mind wiped or memory wiped pretty often to avoid that kind of persona- unique personality developing. That's part of the reason that C three PO and R two D two are so unique in the original Star Wars trilogy is that they haven't had that happen to them for years, much longer than they're really supposed to. Yeah, and spoiler alert, that does eventually happen to C-3PO, um, which you loved. I mean, you just loved that part of the movie. Adored it, sure. <laughs> uh, Mando closes the ship door, and the Razor's Crest takes off. Uh, they're on their way, and on the ship, tensions are running high. Jin, who is balancing a knife on her hand, wants Berg to sit down. Berg's, like, sort of pacing around. Uh, meanwhile, Mando is up in the cockpit with Zero. Zero jumps to hyperspace and politely tells Mando he's free to join the others. He's got this. Mando catches Berg looking through his shit. He tries to stop him, and they have a little bit of a confrontation. They start fisticuffs a little bit, uh, and Mayfield tries to de-escalate. Uh, Berg then asks, why do we even need a Mandalorian? Mayfield, they're the greatest warriors in the galaxy, or so they say. Berg, then why are they all dead? <laughs> I'm offering that as my line of the episode right now, just because, A, it's yeah. funny, and B, it's a it's a valid question that we haven't really gotten to explore much yet. Yeah, and it, it I, yeah, it's it's funny, it's apropos of the moment, and then it also gives you some background on, you know, what's been going on with the Mandalorians, obviously. Uh, it gets a chuckle out of the crew. Mayfield asks Jen if she's good, and she says they, um, if, if Mayfield, Mayfield asks Jen if Mando is really that good. She says they should ask him about a job on Alzoc 3. Um, I actually have a little bit of background on Alzoc 3 for a nostalgic moment of the episode when we get there. Huh. Yeah. Mayfield then bizarrely starts musing about what Mando looks like under the mask. It's like, of all the things, it's interesting, like of all the things Mayfield could pick to talk shit to Mando about, 
Like this is the one thing that is going to escalate things probably as fast as anything, right? Yeah, this is a gr- this is a bunch where they're really lucky that they're getting to the destination in like five minutes because if they had to do like a week mission in the ship together, they would have killed each other even more than they ultimately attempt to do. Mm-hmm. Great line here <clears throat> from Mayfield. He ponders if uh, if. Mando is actually a Gungan under under there. Under there, says, "Is this a white you don't want to show your face?" Uh. <laughs> obviously, obviously, shout out George Jinks. Yeah. Uh, pretty funny line there, and even funnier that John Favreau made um, Bill Burr deliver the line. So not only does he have to now be a part of the Star Wars universe, he's got to like participate in the lore and do inside nerd jokes referencing uh, Star Wars Episode One. Love you, John Favreau. Thank you. Shout out. Sorry, Bill. You're never going to be able to avoid this. Fans will be walking to a, walking up to you on the street for years to come. If I ever saw him, I might say, is this why you never want to show your face? <laughs> um, Mayfield asks Jean if uh, she's seen his face. A lady never tells. Uh, I don't think she has. <laughs> I'm just, just throwing it out there. Do, do you actually think that they had a relationship or is she just fucking with him? I think they hooked up. Yeah, I think I, I think Mango. I think Mando had sex with him, with her, with his mask on or with his helmet on. Yeah, that's awkward. Um, but it, it really, yeah. it, 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 we get a lot of suggestions this episode that Mando was a at least like he's still pretty young. But when he was a kid, he was running with a rough crowd and doing yeah. some pretty rough things too, based on his very short description of what happened on that planet of just I did what I had to do and just stops the conversation. Yep. Mayfield pushes the issue again, and you know, talking about you know trying to see the, the Mando's face, and Mando stands firm. Mayfield then motions to Berg to take Mando's mask off. Mando and Berg start fighting, and then boom, the closet door opens, and they all see Baby Yoda. Ugh, cringe. Mayfield, you get lonely up here, bud. That was pretty funny. <laughs> talking to Mando, like he's trying to figure out why do you have this thing, and he. I guess the best he can come up with is Mando gets lonely and he needs a, quote, pet, which that's another infuriating. There's a lot of infuriating moments in this scene with regards to how Mayfield treats Baby Yoda. But calling him a pet was pretty darn egregious. I love we also we get a brief deep dive into Mayfield psychology here when it comes to him to start going off in this little very Bill Burr kind of sudden uh, tangent of just, you know, I never really had, I was never really into pets. Didn't have the right temperament. But maybe now, yeah, with this, maybe I could have pets. It, it really seems like they wrote that specifically for Bill Burr, the tangents he gets on. Yep. Yeah, he did. He, it was very, very much in character for him. And he, he's, he grabs Baby Yoda, he's holding him, and then boom, they go out of hyperspace. And fucking Mayfield drops Baby Yoda. Oh, <gasps> oh my God. That was like, that was the, the most emotionally involved I was in this entire episode. Mayfield <laughs> dropping Baby Yoda. Tr- and you can even hear Baby Yoda groaning and like crying a little bit. He was not happy. Well, he drops him hard. I mean, Zero should have given a little bit more notice before they dropped out of hyperspace and went there. But yeah, Mayfield drops Yoda hard. He bounces and then they get, you know, ping-ponged around the whole room. Yeah, and then and Jian even complains to Zero. Like, yeah, you should have told us a little bit. Um, uh, where are we at here? Um, oh yeah, Zero indicates... Um, Zero, you know, is just they're they're yelling at him for like you know coming out of hyperspace so quickly and this this weird move that he's doing. And Zero then immediately starts throwing shade on the Razor's Crest again. He actually has a line where he says it's amazing he made made it through the Empire without being impounded. (laughs) And I actually interpret that as a bit of a compliment because it's just I think he ties it to the idea is that it's immediately scrambled our signal. Okay, it's a piece it's a piece of crap, but that feature is so delightfully illegal. Yeah, it, it just should not. This should not be around. Mayfield says uh, Mando is up. Mando uses some weird device to uh, like crack the code on the door to the prisoner ship. That's what I took that scene to mean. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Mayfield goes first. Jin next. She has a little bit of a flair for the dramatic and how she jumps down. Zero indicates he's disabled onboard surveillance, and Berg and Mando jump down. So now here we go. The heist is on, Spencer. It's time to to, to get this guy out of prison. It's an important selling point they gave uh, Mando earlier on when they were trying to get him involved in this mission was that, don't worry, it's only droids aboard. They're providing security aboard this ship, which is one of the things that convinced him to get involved in this, despite the fact it was a, it was a Republic ship. Yep. Mando indicates as soon as they engage the droids, they'll be on the radar. Thanks, Mayfield. Appreciate that. Uh, and they all take off. Sweet caper music starts playing. I don't know if you caught the caper music. 
I did. It's pretty solid. It, again, it's. I really enjoy that Favreau just has such a decisive intent for some of these episodes where I'm going to do a caper heist episode right now. And everything is built around that. The music, the, the cinematography. He knows the theme and he keeps to it. A uh, number of the prisoners see them as they're they're walking by. One motions to them, actually makes some noise. Now, the prisoner ship concept, can we take just a minute to talk about that? Um, this comes up in other parts of the Star Wars lore, you know, this concept that instead of having like a planet where, you know, you, you dump people in and you have like a typical jail, instead they have these ships that just kind of float around the galaxy. Most of the time they're unmanned. They thought this one was unmanned. And that's where they keep people. Um, who have you know committed crimes against now the new republic it used to be the empire spencer that's it shouldn't be but that's particularly more terrifying to me than like a, a normal like <laughs> jail that's on a planet right because you know oh, you're just yeah. floating out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> i mean even if they're just transporting me from point a to point b i don't want to do that there's just so uh, many ways that can go wrong just keep me in a fixed facility on on some on terra firma please yeah, with like like actual living like beings watching me. Um, a small droid comes up to Berg. Very small little like I don't, I don't even know what do you, you know what that little little droid is. It's I don't a even know what it is. It's a mouse droid. Mouse droid. Okay, there you go. Perfect. <laughs> uh, it begins to back up and Berg shoots it because he's an idiot, uh, and that causes other droids to catch on and engage them. They get pinned down with droid fire, and Mando comes up behind the droids. Starts to take them out. Pretty impressive. But at one point, it looks like the droids have Mando beat. Jin goes to jump in and Mayfield stops her. Pretty telling moment right there. I think that's the first indication that we get that they don't plan on bringing Mando back with them. Yeah, they're literally leaving him to his own devices here. Admittedly, Mando wrecks shop without any need of their help anyway. But it's notable that they're all just standing around watching him here. And I'm curious to the degree that Mando picked up on it. Yeah, well, one thing that's interesting to me is it's clear that Jin, later in the episode, it's clear that Jin knows the plan is to not bring Mando back. If that's the case, why did she try to jump in and help him there? Instinct, prior affection, prior connection, or maybe just an idea of we're doing this at the end. We could still use him up until then. Yep. So, but Mando does clear out the droids. Mayfield does not give him much credit at all. He, I think the only line he gives them is make sure you clean up your mess, which, you know, I guess they have to kind of get the sweep the, the droid parts out just in case other droids come through, maybe. Um, so that they don't, you know, catch on that something's amiss here. Well, one thing I do appreciate just from a stylistic standpoint is I never really mm -hmm. liked the uh, Trade Federation, you know, rank and file droids because they always seemed so light. They almost, they, they were built and shaped and seemed like they had this, the, the mass of toothpicks. Though we see Mando cut through these guys like nobody's business, I appreciate the heft that they have behind them, both in their physicality and also just the weight of both their weapons and even the armor they seem to have on them. Just, I, I like that style difference. It makes them a little bit more intimidating. Yeah, completely agree. Zero says they've been detected and he's attempting to redirect some of the droids away from the crew. You go into a security room and surprise, there's a human there. Uh, this human is pretty shook. I mean, and that makes perfect sense because this guy presumably is by himself on this ship. Mm -hmm. God knows how long he's been by himself. Probably probably a lot of Netflix. Probably yep. hitting a lot of Netflix. He's slowly cruising to some different solar system at some point. Don't even know if this thing even has a hyperdrive unit. I'm not even sure if that's clearly, clearly established. So th this is a long-term gig, which will well, a lot of boredom attached. This is more activity than he signed on for. And these people just show up. So he's completely shook. And a pretty tense um, standoff it, you know, ensues. Uh, Mayfield is like screaming at him to put the gun down. Mando tries to de-escalate the situation. Mando puts his gun down, asks the others to do the same. He asks the guy's name, explains that they're only there for a prisoner. Basically saying, hey dude, if you let us just do what we came here to do, you can live. Mayfield's like, no, we won't. <laughs> We're not going to let <laughs> not, him live. Not a bank shop. Uh, then Mayfield, Mando, and Berg get into one of those very, like this to your point about it being like a just cut and dry heist movie that's sort of like i have like everybody has two guns and they're in a circle of three people and they're the, all pointing at each other the standoff <laughs> everybody's pointing at the other two this is um, this is another very classic western trope too which of course favreau has to work as many of those in as possible yep and jen gets sick of what they're doing apparently throws one of something at the guard knocks him out and says we all just shut up 
Zero alerts them that the New Republic ships are on their way. They'll be there in 20 minutes. Jian uh, says, it's fine. We only need five. Based on what we see of Jian later, I'm assuming that she throws one of her little vibra blades at him and probably kills the poor guy. You think it killed him? I think so, yeah. We don't see him moving again, and it seems like Mando's a little bit... That event affects him quite a bit. Yeah. Maybe. Um, they take off. Berg picks up a droid, throws it on the ground, throws it to another <laughs> droid, and then they explode. So this guy has one modus operandi, right? It's like, just destroy shit. I am that's strong. All can do. Yeah, that's it. They find the cell of the prisoner they're looking for. Zero tells them they have 15 minutes remaining. Fast five minutes there, by the way. That, mm. that clock that clock ticked by quickly. And then, boom, it's Quinn, who appears to be Jin's sister. He's the prisoner. Uh, Jin sees Mando, scoffs, and says, hmm, fitting, or something like that. The man who left me behind is now my savior. So we have another old associate of Mando, which, if his hackles weren't already up, if he already wasn't a little bit worried about what this mission was really about, this should have crystallized it for him. Yep, Berg punches Mando, knocks him into the cell, and they close Mando up. Jin yells, you deserve this. Yeah. So clearly the plan here was to either let Mando die or to leave him on the ship. And so they, Berg sensed a good moment for that. He punches Mando, knocks him back into the cell. They they close the door. And it looks like that's all she wrote for our Mandalorian because he is locked up now in a cell in this prisoner ship and the rest of the crew is off to escape. Luckily, there is one serious design flaw when it comes to this prison ship. These are not... Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> Go on ahead, you please. Said... I want to hear your version well, of it. Well, mine is... I don't know why you have, um, like, windows. Why do you have windows on these doors? I mean, I know yeah. it's only droids. You don't have to worry about them throwing shit or, you know, spit at you or whatever else. But still, don't do that. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Back on the ship, Zero again sees Grief, uh, Apollo Creed's message. Zero tells Mayfield he found information on the Mandalorian from the guild. Mayfield is not in the mood to hear it right now. Mm -hmm. Not very interested. He just wants off the ship. As a droid walks by, this is to your point about the the, the design flaw in these cells. As a droid walks by, there is a window in the cell. Mando uses that to fire a cable from his wrist drags the droid toward the door, rips the arm off the droid, and uses the blaster to shoot it. It's important, though, because he actually doesn't just take the blaster, he takes the droid's entire hand, and he uses a trigger at the edge of the the broken-off hand to open up a key that opens the cell door. Good work, Mando. Seems like he's done that before. Yeah, he pulled that droid... He knew exactly how to do that because he, he successfully <laughs> yeah. disarms and literally disarms that droid in a matter yeah. of seconds and immediately, smart move, goes straight for the control room. Yep. Mando takes off at the control room and Zero informs Mayfield that Mando has escaped, which obviously frustrates Mayfield. And Jin. Uh, Jin mentions that they should have killed him and then whoop, lights go out except for a red emergency light. This is the part... Spencer, I was talking about where you start to have some really classic, like horror movie cinematography. Oh, yeah. There's some great um, scenes here. So it's like a really great episode in that you know you have it is of course sci-fi, so you have that genre that's being that box being checked. You also have the western tropes, you have the heist movie tropes. Now you have some horror movie tropes all being rounded out in this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the door goes down that separates uh, Berg and Jin on one side and then Quinn and Mayfield on the other. Zero attempts to contact Mayfield and is disrupted by who? Baby Yoda. <laughs> Baby Yoda came out to see what the hell is going on. Um, he probably heard some noise, wants to know what's happening. Who is this weird droid uh, at the, in the cockpit? So he comes out to see what's going on and Zero immediately takes notice of baby yoda and importantly here for the plot leaves the cockpit to go try to find baby yoda and leaves with his rifle too yeah i don't know i didn't get that part but uh yeah anyway he does quinn tells mayfield he's gonna get him off the. he says you're gonna get me off the ship mayfield says well what about your sister quinn real good guy here seems like a real good guy what about her (laughs) (laughs) which even Uh, even mayfield has to go like nice family jesus Yeah, it's good God. All it takes is one door to go down between the two of us. Boop, done with my sister. That's she's, it. That's, she's dead to me. That's how far that loyalty lies. Cut to Berg and Jin running around. Uh, we see them through the security cameras in the control room that Mando's in. Mando picks up 
the tracking beacon. I didn't talk about the tracking beacon before. I, I should have mentioned that. So the uh, guard that they run into does pick up a like a sort of square-looking device. Yeah, it looks kind of like a panic button. And it freaks Mayfield out. Mayfield explains that it's a tracking beacon, that if he presses it, uh, New Republic ships would be there immediately. And I think that the guy did press the tracking beacon. Right. Um, because when, that's why the, the ships are on their way. Yeah, when he, when he was going down, when he was stabbed, he just instinctively probably pressed it. And now they've got a time limit upon a time limit before security forces arrive in, in their day. But Mando does make a point of picking this thing up. He does, and seems to put in his belt in a, in a moment that at the time didn't seem to make much sense. At the time. Cut back to Quinn and Mayfield. Quinn, Mando always did hate droids because he sees a bunch of droids dead. Uh, Mayfield, so again, showing that Quinn knows Mando pretty well, um, mm. at least well enough to know his dislike of droid. droids. Mayfield uh, then is trying to get a hold of Zero. He can't. Why? Zero's running around the ship trying to find Baby Yoda playing a little hide and seek. Quinn tells Mayfield if they get back, he'll give him triple share. He just has to get Mando. I don't know. I mean, if I'm Mayfield here, no. I'm going to be like, no. nah, whatever, dude. I'm not going to. Yeah, I'd like to live long enough to get paid. Let's just go with a guaranteed salary. Thank you. Yeah, I'm with you. I thought that was a little bit of um, a little bit of a reach there by Quinn. Cut back to Berg and Jen. Um, they're just walking around. Then we see Zero looking for Baby Yoda. I think at this point, tell me if if I read too much in this. I thought that Zero was making such a fuss to find Baby Yoda because he had pieced together that grief's message was referencing Baby Yoda in some way. That is my interpretation, too, yeah. That he's heard enough of Grief's message at this point that he is aware that there is a package, and he's got to assume that, well, this is the most unique object aboard the ship, and apparently it's a big enough deal that it's gotten Mando thrown out of the guild entirely. Let's check what this is. Yeah, probably a little bit of a the hustler instinct, right? He's probably thinking, we can make some money off this thing. Oh, yeah. Um, Berg makes it to the control room and it's empty. We see Mando is actually in the ceiling. He fires off a cable, which goes around Berg's neck. He tries to choke him. <laughs> Not a great idea because Berg just uses that to rip Mando down from the ceiling and they start fighting. Berg is getting the best of Mando here. And I really appreciate during a lot of Mando's fights, he is outmatched. He is overpowered. He has to rely on something other than brute force or even his gadgets to survive these kind of things. Yeah, and right on cue, Mando tries to torch Berg's face, and that does nothing. <laughs> fire resistance, sir. Sorry. Yeah, he's got fire resistance. Causes him to laugh, Berg to laugh. Uh, Berg goes to rip off Mando's helmet, and Mando does a little, like, fall on his back, kick flip, flips him around, drops a door down on Berg, reminiscent of uh, Jabba's palace with Luke dropping the door down on the Rancor. Very good. Very good reference. Very good reference. And it's not enough. Bird goes to lift that door up again. Ultimately, it's a double door situation. Mando drops the second door. I think that's enough to at least stun Berg. I really thought Berg was dead here. Like, messily dead. I thought that eviscerated him with that thing when, when that thing came in from the sides. I thought he was dead, too. Um, but, nope. I think it just kind of was enough to knock him out. Cut back to Zero. He's still looking for Baby Yoda. Game of hide and seek going on on the, the Razor's Crest. Uh, Baby Yoda doing some very good hiding. He's a good boy. Mm. Um, go ahead. <laughs> no, no, I'm just very much in agreement. Baby Yoda, we did not realize what a skilled hider he was until this moment, but this kid has trained for these hide-and-seek kind of experiences. And he's pretty good, too. You see one moment where, and God, how they do the puppet is just the cutest thing in the world because you see this moment where he's like looking around one of the boxes and he sees the zero and he like immediately jerks back, you know, back behind it. <laughs> Um, but like slower than like a normal human would because he's a baby, right? It's just cute. It, it also again shows that this is not, he is not a baby in psychology. He is very much aware of the fact that he is under threat from this guy and he's actively trying to avoid him. Yep. Cut to Mayfield. He's walking around looking for Mando. We see some droids. Mayfield takes them out. So we do see that one thing I didn't describe about Mayfield that is pretty interesting is he's got um, something connected. I think it, I think it's connected kind of like to his, his, like brainstem maybe because it looks to be another like like arm that has a gun and mm -hmm. he seems to be able to control that just mentally so it looks like it's kind of connected to the back of his neck i thought it's kind of connected to his brainstem what did you think 
it's something along those lines. I'm not sure if it's written some way robot, robotic targeting or if it's actually directly connected to his brain. But as you say, wherever he's shooting with his two pistols, that third gun is helping out. Yeah, and he he lights up these droids. I mean, it's, it's pretty impressive. Um, so he you know he's he's got some game. Mando eventually. Uh, oh, then we see um, we cut back to Jen, and Mando shows up behind her, and she starts these hurling these throwing knives at him, but like. With, that are vibro blades, blades, I think, mm-hmm. you know, to your point. But they don't really do much because Mando's got that got that armor. He drops her pretty quick. Honestly, the, all, the fights he goes through, this one probably ends the fastest. Even even the time he spends stalking up on Mayfield here in a second seems like it takes longer. Yep. He eventually apprehends her, puts a knife to her throat, cuts a Mayfield. Really great scene. Oh, this, this, is, one's, um, this one's really good. Yeah, this might have won. I think this episode did win an Emmy. I think this might have won the episode an Emmy because um, there's very little light in the hallway. It's red light, and the what light we do have is blinking, and it's enough that as it blinks, it goes dark, boom, light, boom, dark, but and and we see in a piecemeal Mando's journey toward Mayfield. Mayfield doesn't see him, but we see Mando approaching Mayfield in these sort of blocks from the from the blinking light really really cool effect there um and all we hear is mayfield yell that's all we don't really get to see mando take him down as you said this is such a great little you know flashback to classic slasher or stalker movies of where it is you're suddenly realizing that from someone like mayfield's perspective just how utterly intimidating some of the, the mandalorian is this is less a person and more a will of nature at this point yeah, and it's like it, you you totally could see like talking about horror movie trips. You totally could see like, you know, um, the scene where it's dark in the house and there's lightning. You know, and as the lightning mm-hmm. hits, you see the intruder move five feet. Boom, lightning hit. He's he's ahead five more feet. That's kind of the the effect that we got with Mando taking down Mayfield there. Very much. So yeah, the the entirety of the crew is now. Well, no, we have two crew members left. What happens to them? Uh, well, we cut back to Zero, still looking for Baby Yoda, and then back to Quinn, who's about to get off the ship, and Mando stops him. You killed the others. This is this is Quinn kind of speculating, I guess. Mm. I think he thinks Mando killed them, but he's also kind of looking for some confirmation. Mando gives him the very vague, they got what they deserved. That line will come up again later. Mm-hmm. Cue Mando's music. Mando draws on Quinn, and he says, uh, Quinn says, look, if you kill me, you don't get your money. So this is Quinn trying to like work out a deal here. He's basically saying, hey, man. You're man of your word. You said you were going to do the job. You still can do the job. Forget what happened with those other guys. And he puts his wrist out and he says, just take me in. Yeah, Mando's choice of words there, while also purposefully ambiguous, also may be a reference to what they told him when they locked him up in the jail cell. They they yelled Mm -hmm. at him, you deserve this, as they ran away. Got what they deserved, yep. Um, Cut back to the ship and Zero has found Baby Yoda. Oh God, tense moment here. He raises a blaster. Baby Yoda sticks out his hand, closes his eyes, leans up. Zero is shot. Very funny moment. Baby Yoda looks at his hand. Didn't think I like, could do did that. Did I do that? Did I, did I shoot him? I didn't know I could do that. <laughs> uh, Zero falls and we see Mando's behind him. Mando is the one who, who shot Zero. Um, if, of course the droid died, right? Of course Mando took no took no prisoners with the droid. He just killed yeah. the droid. Um, what do you, this is the, the $50,000 question in the episode. Spencer, what do you think would have happened if Mando had not been there? It's hard to say. From what we've seen of Baby Yoda, he can be damn powerful, but it takes a bit of build-up, and we've not necessarily seen it as being a... I think he could have protected himself. It's just a question of who would have gotten gotten to the trigger first. I'm not certain whether Zero was intending to kill him, because that seems counterproductive, doesn't it? Yeah, I think he was just like basically going to say, come with me kind of thing. And I think we would have got a force push. That's right. my guess. If, I think he, he would have pushed pushed uh, Zero against the wall. Yeah, it's a it's a Han Greedo moment. If Zero was intending to shoot Baby Yoda, I think he could have successfully done it. I just don't think he was gonna, in which case Baby Yoda's got the edge. Oh, I can't believe you referenced that. I'm That's here so for mean. you. You're so mean. Um, yeah, so now Zero is dead. And uh, next shot we get is Mando flying the, uh, the Razor's Crest back. He goes to that loading dock or that big space station. He walks off the ship and he delivers Quinn. Ranzar greets greets Quinn, um, asks Mando, where are the others? Mando, no questions asked, right? That is the policy. Uh, Ranzar then pays Mando. Mando says, just like the good old days, Mando gets back on his ship and he takes off. Uh, At this point, all could have been well. 
there's a lot of moments where all could have been well, where it did not need to go this way. But this is the final one that I don't care what you were planning previously. You can just let him go. It's fine. It's great. But no. Mando, Mando knew he wasn't going to because Mando got the knew that the whole plan was to to leave him there or kill him anyway. Mm-hmm. So he probably didn't think that um, Ran was just going to let Mando fly off. So what did he do? He stuck that little tracking beacon right into Quinn's back pocket. Quinn picks it up um, after Ran, uh, you know, gave the shoot to kill order mm-hmm. uh, for for Mando's ship, and right. Right on cue, some X-Wings jump out of hyperspace as the Razor's crest is leaving that spaceship. The X-Wings see that the the spaceship has a a gunship that's getting ready to come out. So they're like, oh, hell, we're not going to allow that. Very casually, very casually, (laughs) just destroys the entire thing in Smash Cut. Um, uh, Back to, I'll finish up the, the recap here, Smash Cut back to Mando. He goes into hyperdrive. He takes off the little ball joint that's on top of the gear shift. Mm-hmm. Um, and he gives it to Baby Yoda to play with. And he says, I told you that was a bad idea. <laughs> it just ends there? Uh, well, that, that that the last thing we see in the episode is a shot of Mayfield, Jin, and Berg. And they are in his cell. Yeah. So Berg did not die from the, the double doors. Uh, instead, Mando just did the old flipperoo on them, put them in, a, in the cell. And they're just locked on this... God knows for how long on this prisoner ship. And by the way, they killed so many droids that I don't know if these people, like this is the thought I had. They killed so many droids, but I don't know if those people are getting food. I mean, how do you know that their droids left to feed them? I don't know at this point. I'm hoping for the sake of the rest of those prisoners. Because what we saw the prisoners, it's a pretty diverse crowd in there. We saw varied alien species. We even saw a couple, a couple looked like a couple of Imperial agents in uniform. I'm hoping that him pressing that, tra- that tracking beacon is going to lead them back to that ship before too long. And I'm assuming and they can restaff it. Yeah, yeah, they can restaff it. Um, yeah, that'd be good. And then they probably will find those people in the cell and be like, okay, well, Hello. save us the trouble. <laughs> save us the trouble. That sounds good. Um, okay, anything you want to talk about about that sort of interesting cross, double cross ending? I enjoyed that. It, I thought it fit better with what we've seen of Mando's psychology when it comes to these people, of where he has a certain sense of poetic justice attached to them, and this felt more appropriate to leave them as the criminals that they are. Um, I also, in, in terms of your overall thoughts about the episode, I'm curious. For me, I think this very much sets in the in the mold of the last couple of episodes we've had, where it's very, it's very singular. It's very much focused on its on its own self. It's telling an isolated story. Um, but I found this one rather successful both because its pacing is really good it has a wonderful sense of keeping to its theme as you said some of the cinematography of the scenes is just stellar and this is also John Favreau at his most flexing in terms of casting this episode of where all the people he's bringing into this are recognizable stars and they're all doing really great for a one-off role yeah I love the casting um, I mean if I I mean there there are more consequential episodes of this show Obviously, we're about to hit two more in the next uh, next two episodes that we recap. But I would say, like, if I was just, I was like the producer of this show, and I needed to put up an episode for like the Emmys or something. This is the one I would do mm-hmm. because you got the stars that have come in; they all did really, really well. It's a very tight story. The cinematography is great. The pacing is really solid. Uh, the physical acting from Pedro Pascal I thought was really good. Um, and then you get, you know, sufficient baby Yoda cute moments. So everything you could hope for. Oh um, man, it really, yeah, it really it rounds the basis here. So I, I love the episode. I think it's a, it, like I mentioned at the Allen set and like you've referenced, it's a contained tight. Favreau was doing something specific with this episode. Mm-hmm. He did it well. It's the heist movie. Same kind of idea as the last one. I like this one more than the last episode though. I agree. I think he's completed a lot of various archetypes of Westerns, this being uh, the final bank heist kind of one. Now that he's finished all of those, he's content now to return to the plot for the last two episodes. Which is exactly what we get. Um, we get a real, I mean, the last two episodes are like pretty much centered just on the, the main plot, which is like what's going to happen to Baby Yoda, basically. Because it's called The Mandalorian, but like, I mean, tell the truth, Spencer, like, you watch to figure out what happens to Baby Yoda, right? Like, no. <laughs> This is Baby Yoda with babysitter in cool uniform. That's really what the show is. <laughs> yeah, it should be. Should be. Re- Although, I mean, Disney is just doing every possible thing they can, and Favreau is trying to get us to call it the Child. 
Um, <laughs> no, sorry. No. I know. And Favreau keeps like giving these interviews where he's like complaining. Like, I, I keep telling everybody it's not Baby Yoda. And like, but, but so that was what he, he did when the show first debuted. He has since gotten it. And he's like, okay, fine, whatever. Just call it Baby Yoda. Disney, if you'd like to do what George Lucas never did and give us a name of Yoda's species, we'll be fine to call it by that. Until then, it's Baby Yoda. Because that's the only one we got. Yep. That's exactly why we call it that. Um, okay, great. So let's go to best line of the episode. I feel like there's really just two main um, uh, nominees here for best line of the episode. I think you've got the what Rand's motto, right? Which is um, no questions asked. Mm-hmm. You know the policy, no questions. I like that one, yeah. That was good. And then the one that you offered up, which was why do we even need a Mandalorian? They're the greatest warriors in the galaxy, or so they say. Then why are they all dead? <laughs> and I'm going to award. go ahead and award that one best line of the episode. I think that's got to be right. <clears throat> I think it hits a lot of great notes. It's both tying into the lore. It's a good. It's a very authentic moment for the characters. And it's also just straight up funny. It's a good funny moment for everybody. Yep, I agree. So that's best line of the episode. Then why are they all dead? Now we can cut to nostalgic moment of the episode. I tease that I actually have... Uh, something to add to here for nostalgic moment of the episode. Um, I know nothing about Alzac three. So you're going to fill in a gap for me here. So Alzac three is the home of the tall species. <clears throat> this comes up in a book. It's a pretty obscure book that just, God, when the hell was it released? I can't remember. I, I Alzac three um, rang a bell to me. So I Googled it and I found out um, it's the home of the tall species. And we see are the Tal species, and we see the Tal species first in Mos Eisley in A New Hope. So yet another callback to uh. the very first piece of Star Wars that we get. Um, and if you Google Tal species, you'll see uh, I, I'm talking I, about. I just did. I had no idea that was their name, but th- that is very much a recognizable character from the Cantina. Yep, exactly. So um, that's what I add to Nostalgic Moment of the Episode. Now I will hand it to you, Spencer. For me, there's a lot of good little moments. Uh, the appearance of a mouse droid, the most incongruous little droid in all the Star Wars lexicon, was was nice. I found that very delightful. But for me, I, I'm very traditional and simple when it comes to nostalgia. And seeing the three X-Wings swoop in with each of the, each of the pilots in traditional <laughs> Republic uniforms and yep. just wreck shop on that gunship at Space Station without even just raising their voices, just pure professionals was a delight i loved that moment yep i enjoyed that so much but it was also kind of important though right because it did show that like at least in this moment in time the republic's got some muscle it it makes with how many years have now passed with where we saw the state of their armed forces how successful we saw of their pilot corps this makes sense i enjoy seeing the new republic at its prime i wish we'd gotten to see that a lot more in the movies than we ultimately got to see yep i agree all right anything else for nostalgic moment of the episode no, I mean, I said there's a lot of good little moments, but for me, seeing three X-Wings swoop in to destroy the bad guys is just the ultimate pulling at the heartstrings nostalgia that I adore. Completely agree. All right, well, I think we've covered it. That is episode six of season one of The Mandalorian, titled The Prisoner. I enjoyed going through this with you, Spencer. Anything else you want to add before we wrap up? No, looking forward to doing the last two episodes with you and then moving on to the next season, which I am mm-hmm. stubbornly not going to watch until we get there. I know, I'm excited for you to see it. All right. Well, we will be back next week with our coverage of Disney's Mandalorian Episode 7. Until then, see ya!